Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Hi everyone. Um, Our first reading comes from Matthew chapter 6, verse, that's Matthew 6, starting at verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. The next reading is from Isaiah 58, starting in verse 3. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting... You do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrelling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? It is only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke and set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Kale. You either hate it or you love it, right? Uh, People think it's good for them, though they probably walk past it through Woolies and leave it on the kind of shelf bit, or you skip past it on the smoothie list, right? But maybe you've got a friend like, like my friend who swears by it, that every morning he wakes up and has his kale smoothie for breakfast. He said it changed his health, it changed his life. It's life-giving for the start of the day. He swears by it. But we all look at him and think, good for you, Stan, that's great. I'm glad it works for you, but it's just not for me. But yeah, we have this little inkling feeling that, oh, maybe that kale does give us, like maybe, maybe there is something in what he is saying. Well, today we're looking at the kale of all the means of grace. We are looking at the practice of Jesus that he invites us to participate in, inviting us to experience and participate in God's grace through fasting. Receiving God's grace from withholding an appetite from going hungry. You're more likely to hear people talking about fasting from people like your fitness gurus or maybe your Muslim friend at work than you are from a Christian, aren't you? I don't know when the last time you had a conversation with someone about fasting in your Christian community. Yet we see people in the entirety of the Bible, in the old and the new, people fasting. So why don't we talk about it? And well, 
you see, I think we freak out a little bit about fasting, don't we? Like we kind of go, oh, it's maybe, you know, it's something weird. It's not quite, you know, it's not the truth uh, stuff. But you see, I think we freak out because we have an unhealthy relationship or a complicated relationship with food and our bodies. That is, we either love food so much that we that food has almost become our God or we hate food so much that we flee from it because of the impact that it might have on how we feel in our own bodies. And, and later we're going to think more about our complicated relationship with food. But I think that's one of the reasons is we have a complicated relationship with food and with our bodies. Yet I think another reason we kind of freak out when it comes to fasting is that um, we idolise comfort. That is, we worship comfort. That we, uh, you know, when we fast, it's going without something and going without something, well, it's uncomfortable, it's hard and we worship comfort. You know, the ease of life is what we want. In fact, um, fasting for me has been a practice in my own life that I have neglected because I just didn't want to do it. It sounded uncomfortable, right? I heard people talk about it and I just thought, oh, it's not for me. Uh, Or at different times in my life, I committed to fasting and I was like, all right, on this date, I'm going to fast for this particular reason. And then I got to that date and I either forgot that I committed to fasting or I just got to that and I was like, oh, I just don't feel like it today. And to be honest, I fasted this week because I was preparing for a sermon about fasting. <laughs> so please don't hear me say that when, I, when we're talking about fasting tonight that it's something that you know, I have understood really well uh, or, sorry, that I've practiced really well even. And so... I'd actually love it if you could keep asking me in the months and weeks ahead, hey, John, how are you going at practicing fasting? How does that look like for you in your life? Anyway, that's a bit of an intro as we think about fasting. But you might be thinking, John, you've said fasting. What is fasting? Well, fasting is this. It's laying down an appetite or giving up an appetite, giving it away. Um, And so scripture contains many different forms of fasting, both uh, communal fasting as a community of believers, of God's people, and also individual fasting, public, private. Uh, there's also occasional, on specific occasions that people would fast. At different times, people would fast like some food, but not others. And at other times, people would fast an absolute fast, that is like all food. Uh, sometimes it would be a day or seven days uh, or, or 40 days. You know, Moses did that, Jesus did that. Sometimes it was in response to something, sometimes it was in preparation for another thing. But when we come to it, uh, because of our complicated relationship with food uh, and the heart behind fasting, tonight when we think about fasting, we're talking about the voluntarily laying down of an appetite for something good, for example, food, to intensify our need for something greater, that is, God. Uh, And Martin Lloyd-Jones... This guy, if you see him, that guy, um, he said this about uh, fasting. He said uh, that it should include the abstinence from anything which is legitimate in and of itself for the sake of some special spiritual purpose. Essentially, that it's giving up something that is good for a special intentional purpose in our relationship with God. 
So while fasting from food is primarily what we're talking about tonight, um, at times it's not practical or even safe for everyone. And fasting from an appetite that you have uh, for something good, it might be music or you know something like that, um, so that we can grow our hunger for God. So I'm going to add a little bit to the thing. We're going to change it to laying down an appetite to increase a hunger for God. Actually, um, we'll just add a little bit more. Um, so laying down an appetite of yours, not just uh, like... I love coffee, right? If you were laying down my appetite for coffee and you didn't love coffee, well, that wouldn't really matter to you, right? But it's laying down an appetite of yours, something that you hunger for, that you crave for, to increase your hunger for God. Through all examples of fasting in the Bible, the why of fasting, it's not really kind of explicitly laid out. It's not like Jesus uh, kind of said, this is why you fast, or, um, you know, it's not like God kind of said, fast because this is what happens, That's not what happens. But the fasting has to do with giving up their appetite. We can see it through all of the examples. We can kind of see this principle. That fasting was to do with giving up their appetite to channel and express uh, their desire for God and maybe their holy discontentment for a fallen and broken world. That is, their uncomfortableness, their, their, their... you know, desire for to see a changed world, their brokenness. As they look at the world around them, they are discontent. And it's for those who want God. It's laying down your appetite to increase your hunger. Now, uh, there's a guy named Donald S. Whitney. He does a great breakdown of the different reasons and times in the Bible. Um, so what he does is he actually does, he, he kind of goes through all the different purposes that people fasted in the Bible. And I've broken it down to these three. Um, that, that is a great resource. If you want to borrow my book, you can come and borrow it. It helps you kind of look at it a bit deeper. But there's three main reasons that people fast in the Bible. That is, the first one is response. So when I say response, you're going to respond. Response? Yeah, that's right. Response. Okay. Then it's readiness. Readiness. And then it's rhythm. Ready, uh, response, readiness, rhythm. Okay. So they're the main reasons. That is, these examples, they fall into either a response to a significant moment or in readiness for something that is to come, or it's a rhythm that God has set up for his people. So they're the three main reasons. Let's dig into them a little bit. So we're going to start with the first one, which is? Yeah, response. That's right. So in Judges 20, verse 26 to 27, uh, just after 18,000 Israelites were killed in battle, what did they do? Well, they fasted and worshipped. They fasted and they worshipped. So it was in response to a grievous moment, something that was horrible that they'd experienced. At 2 Samuel 1, when Saul and Jonathan had been killed, what happened was David and all the men of Israel, they mourned and wept and fasted. Again, another kind of spiritual, a grievous spiritual moment. They were grieving. And then in Daniel chapter 10, uh, we see when Daniel had received a vision about a great war, what did Daniel do? Well, after he'd received that vision, he then did what, like a partial fast. That is, he gave up good food and good wine. And so then, that's the first one, response. Next one. Does anyone remember? Yeah, readiness. Christ, smashed it. Yeah, readiness, that's right. And, and the classic example is in Esther. When Queen Esther is about to go before the king, uh, she asks her uncle, Uncle Mordecai, and all the Jews, uh, and he says, all the Jews in Susa, 
she asked them to fast and to pray. And so to go before their God in this moment, preparing for what was about to happen. She was about to walk into the king's throne room, which was not like you couldn't just walk in there. You could face death if you did that. But that was what happened. So it was, she fasted and so did the people fast in readiness for what was about to happen. And then the last one is, oh, yes, Mark, rhythm. That's right. So rhythm, uh, we see, especially in Leviticus chapter 16, we saw this you know, a few weeks ago when we were thinking about the Day of Atonement. And two weeks ago in Israel, this actually happened. Um, people would fast in preparation for the Day of Atonement. And so this is kind of both readiness of something that is to come, but also God had set up this rhythm that every year that they would do that for the Day of Atonement that they would prepare through fasting. All right, before we go to the next, what are the three? Response. Yeah, response, readiness, rhythm. Look at you guys go, smashing it. That's right. So these are kind of the main purposes that people would have in fasting that we see in the Bible. And it's all about laying down an appetite of theirs to increase their hunger for God. For us, there's no real command or mandate from Jesus or from anything in the, in the New Testament of a command to fast. There's nothing that says you must fast. There's not a specific calendar date of the year that you're meant to give up certain types of food at a certain time. There's no command for that. And there are many kind of different kind of passages we could have looked at tonight. But the Matthew one that we read from earlier is the one that we're going to spend time in now because we see, um, we see the heart behind fasting and we see that he also anticipated for his disciples to fast. So let's look at it, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. This is what it says. It says, When you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Twice there, Jesus says, if you fast. Is that right? No, he says, when you fast, there's this expectation that his disciples, Jesus expected that his disciples would fast. So that's the first thing I want you to notice. And the second thing I want you to notice is the attitude in when you're fasting. He doesn't say, walk around and be all somber and, you know, uh, what does it say? Somber, is that the word? Disfigure their faces to show that they are fasting. Just be somber like the hypocrites. He says, you're not doing it for other people to see. But when you, when you fast, have a shower, have a shave, brush your hair, put it up in a nice plait or something. Um, make yourself, like don't, don't make people look at you and go, oh, wow, look at how holy they are for fasting. That's not what fasting is about. It says, fast, it's saying fast as you seek God, not people. So it's not laying down an appetite of yours to gain the approval of others, it is laying down an appetite of yours to increase your hunger for your God. 
our hunger for God, um, it's impacted by the world around us. Because we start to get tastes of things of the earth and we start to love those things more. And our hearts are taken captive by all kinds of things. For our desire for approval, our desire for comfort, our cravings for food, uh, for sex, for all kinds of things. And when we fast, what it does is it helps reveal the depth to which a good thing, like food, has become master over us. Fasting invites us to grow our depth of our prayer to our Father, saying with our whole body what we pray with our heart. That is, that I long to be satisfied by you, O God, by you alone. I want you, I need you, I need you more than I need food. I need you more than I need Netflix. I need you more than I need coffee. I need you. And when the hunger pains come, as you uh, starve your appetite, the burn in your gut, the uncomfortable aching for you to feed it more food, that feeling is like uh, it signals game time for fasting, right? In that moment, we are then called to use that to draw our attention to our, to our God. David Mathis uh, wrote, has written this book called Habits of Grace. And as he talks about fasting, this is what he says. He says, fasting isn't for the self-sufficient and those who feel they have it all together. It's for the poor in spirit. It's for those who mourn for the meek, for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He says, in other words, fasting is for Christians. It's a desperate measure for desperate times among those who know themselves desperate for God. Fasting isn't like a manipulative tool to somehow kind of manipulate God, but it is a gift. It's an invitation for us to take up. It's not an obligation that you have to do this, but it's an invitation for you uh, to practice this um, body talk. It's, It's praying with your whole body, laying down an appetite of mine to increase my hunger for God. So tonight, I want to ask you, will you consider taking up this invitation to fast? You may never have done this before. You may have even tried to do it before and (laughs) haven't got there. First of all, I want to say fasting isn't a performance. It's not about perfection. But fasting is an invitation for you to use your whole body to interact and hunger for your God. So tonight, I want you to think about, will you take up that invitation? Um, We're going to think about some practical steps in that now. Um, we're going to go through a few steps. But before we do that, I think it's really important that we think about our complicated relationship with food uh, that we have as a society. But also, especially, um, I'm going to ask Bree. Bree's going to come up and she's going to share with us uh, what does this mean for people who really like struggle with something like an eating disorder. So, thanks, Bree. Hi, everyone. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to spend a couple of minutes thinking about how the spiritual discipline of fasting might play out for someone with an eating disorder. 
Now, full disclosure, I've never been diagnosed with an eating disorder, but there have been seasons in my life where I would describe myself as having a complicated relationship with food. A lot of you know that I've struggled with my mental health a lot over the last 15 years. Um, I'm thankful that I'm in a season of good mental health at the moment, but a lot of my life has been marked by severe depression and anxiety. Um, I also want to take this moment just to thank the Samantz community here that have been such a support for me during seasons of difficult mental health. When I'm in a season of anxiety, my appetite is really impacted. I don't feel hungry as often. I start to not like the taste of food. I feel nauseous if I eat too much, and I often lose weight. My mental illness also twists my thoughts about food, and I'll have thoughts like, I don't deserve to eat. I deserve to feel hungry, or hunger is something that I'm good at. For me, when I start having issues with my appetite, or any of these thoughts start crossing my mind, I know it's time to seek support for my mental health. So what do I do when it comes to fasting from food? Well, for me, there's been a few times in my life where I have chosen to fast from food. When I was in second year uni, I was in a good mental health space, and I was first considered, to cha- uh, considered to, uh, the challenge of fasting as a spiritual discipline. I made a habit of fasting every Monday. I just skipped breakfast and lunch and would eat again at dinner. I found it helpful in growing in discipline, pushing against instant gratification culture, and I also used each time I felt hungry as a reminder to pray. I was going to do a regular fast like that again when I was in Bible college, But only a few weeks in, my mental health started to slip and I was back in a place where food and appetite were a struggle for me. I prayed lots about it and decided that in that season, obedience to God looked like choosing not to fast rather than choosing to fast. For people with eating disorders or a complicated relationship with food, it often takes more discipline to eat rather than not to eat. Let me say that again. For someone with an eating disorder, it often takes more discipline to eat than not to eat. If fasting isn't right for you right now, it's not because you lack discipline or you lack faith. It may just be that faith and discipline for you look like choosing not to fast from food. There are people at St. Matt's who are struggling with eating disorders or have struggled with food in the past. And most of the time, you can't tell from looking at them that someone is struggling in this way. Now, if you are someone who's struggling with an eating disorder or someone who would consider yourself as having a complicated relationship with food, I encourage you to chat about it with someone tonight, a close friend, your Bible study leader, or come chat to me. Eating disorders thrive in secrecy, so don't keep it a secret. Gather around you a support network who can journey with you and use them to debrief after the sermon tonight. Even though John and I are trying to be really thoughtful about what we say up the front, having time to debrief is super important. So please don't leave tonight without chatting to someone. There's a whole lot of other reasons why you may choose not to fast from food as well. I haven't fasted while being pregnant or breastfeeding. You might not fast if you're fighting off an illness or if you're immunocompromised. If you're in one of these boats, then just remember that the discipline of fasting isn't supposed to be a burdensome obligation. No, it's a gracious invitation into deeper relationship with God. And God, in his kindness and grace, has given us many varied ways to experience his grace. 
I'll pass back to John. So much, Bree. Um, so please, uh, if that's you, I want to encourage you again, please talk to someone tonight. But for those of you who are thinking about taking up the invitation of practicing fasting, uh, we're just going to go through some six little things to remember. Now, I have ripped them straight from a book called Habits of Grace, that's one, by David Mathis. Um, while I was fasting, I was looking at these, I was like, man, I should have done this before I fasted. So, I'm going to tell them to you today, which is the first one is start small. Um, that is, don't try and go for a seven-day fast straight up, bam, done, let's do it. Um, not a wise idea. Start by just, like, like similar to what Bree is doing, a breakfast and lunch, or start with a meal and then kind of come back to it in a week or two and think about how you might do it later. So start small. Don't go big. Um, stay home. I don't know. Ah, all right. Uh, next one. Make a plan. This one is the idea that, um, you see, we spend a lot of our day with a fork in our hand or a cup in our hand of coffee or tea. Um, make a plan because you're not going to be using that time to drink coffee or to eat your food. Uh, but use that time to direct your hunger pains, direct them to your father. And so, uh, you might remember, or do you remember the three? What are the three? Reasons, purposes, response, readiness, rhythm. So, make a plan. Use your fast for a purpose. That is, you might be responding maybe to a specific sin in your life that you know has, has got a hold of your heart. And you might be like, God, I just want to be really serious about this sin. I want to fight it and I need your help. So you might want to fast in response to that. And so uh, use that moment when you um, would normally be eating or drinking. Um, or oh, drink water. Please drink water. It's really important to drink water. I should have said that. But um, those moments when, you, when you're not eating or, or drinking from what you're fasting, then use that moment to direct your prayers to God and be in Scripture. And so if it's to do with your sin... Confess your sin and pray and ask for his strength to fight that sin. So that's in response to something. Uh, rhythm, that is, uh, maybe you've realised that you actually just want to grow in your discipline towards, towards your relationship with God. And so, um, when, you, when you would be eating in that moment on a fast, um, what you do is you pray and you say, God, help me grow in my discipline. And use that moment to practice another area of discipline. It might be reading the Bible or something like that. Okay? So, and then, oh, readiness. That is, uh, you know, you might be seeking God's guidance for something that is about to happen. Um, in that moment, open scripture, be in God's word, and praying about preparing for what is to come. Okay? Does that make sense? Make a plan. All right, next one. Consider the impact. Consider how it will affect others. Uh, fasting is not a license to be unloving to the people that you live with or that you work with. Uh, fasting should actually do the complete opposite. That it should actually, as we grow in our love of our Father, of our God, we will then grow in love of each other. And so, think about how your, like if you fast on a particular day, how that might impact on your family or on your colleagues. Um, think about the impact for you at work, like maybe you're a physical worker. It's probably not a good idea if you're a landscaper to fast on a day of work um, because that would be unhealthy. Uh, but think about when you could fast in an appropriate time. Okay, there's those three. Number four, try different ways. So maybe someone in your community group 
um, has heard some really hard news. Uh, maybe it's a diagnosis um, or something like that. You could fast together as a community group and ask if there was anyone else who wanted to fast and, and pray for that person, for what is happening for that person. Uh, or you might like to do a private and kind of just on your own fast. So that's what I mean by try different ways of fasting. The fifth one is uh, try um, something else, fasting from something other than food. That's what I mean by try alternate fasts. So, um, you know, maybe food is not a wise thing for you to fast from, but you might like to fast from something like music um, or podcasts or something like that. That's what I mean by number five. And then number six, don't just think about being hungry. Because if we go into a fast and that's all we're going to think about, then that actually isn't a Christian fast. That's just going hungry for the sake of going hungry. So, um, has anyone heard the, the saying, um, oh no, wait, let me try it. Don't think about white elephants. Who thought about white elephants? Oh, really? Only a couple. Man, I say don't think about white elephants. The first thing I think about is white elephants. There's this saying, you know, when we say don't think about it, we think about it. And so when you go into a fast, you're going to have hunger pains and you're going to say, oh, don't think about being hungry. Don't think about being hungry. Don't think about being hungry. Don't be, I'm hungry. And so you just think about being hungry. But use the hunger pains and use those thoughts to actually direct them back to God to refocus your thoughts on, on him when your stomach growls and begins to scream in every way that it possibly can to your brain, feed me, use that to then refocus on God. Turn your attention to Jesus. If you don't, it's not true fasting. Okay? Here's your invitation tonight. Your invitation is to participate and, and experience God's grace in the coming weeks ahead by laying down an appetite of yours to increase your hunger for your God. And tonight we don't have Q&R, but if you have questions about this, please chat to Bree, myself, Ron, Jackie, anyone, come and chat to us. We'd love to talk to you more about it. Um, but I'm going to pray for us, and then I think we're going to sing. Is that right? Yeah, cool. Let me pray. Uh, Lord God, we thank you that you have given us uh, incredible things like um, food and the blessing that food is and that you have called us to feast at times. But Lord, tonight as we think about fasting, uh, Lord, we pray that you would help us to be wise and to seek Christian counsel of men and women in our lives uh, who would be able to help us to direct uh, that and to think about whether fasting is for us at this time in this season. God, we pray as a community of believers, whether it's through fasting or feasting, that you would help us to grow our hunger for you. Lord, would your spirit be working in our hearts and in our minds to seek you, uh, to seek the things of heaven and to think about the things of heaven. Lord, we give you thanks for the gift of fasting and the invitation that it is for us to participate in that. Uh, and Lord, we pray that for some of us that might be a really helpful thing in growing our hunger for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details check out our website at stmats.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.